journals out loud and I'm coming to you today it is very early sun's not up yet I believe it is Thursday May 4th 2023 and theoretically today we are driving away yet again so I just wanted to do a a posting before I left Uh, I have been so all over the place in terms of thinking about uh, too many things Uh, Too many things going on out in the world, too many things going in within me, too many things for us, particularly as a Wired for Danger human, that I'm pretty sure this is going to be kind of an incoherent or, or 
at least uh, non-linear podcast because it is uh, kind of an overwhelming moment of time, depending on how uh, much you pay attention to what's going on out in the world and how that will or won't uh, affect you at a personal level. And so if you are new, uh, they're not usually like this, but today they're going to be like this because also all morning long, we've had a lot of frantic activity up here on the platform. The two dogs have just quieted. So I'm trying to take this opportunity because there's not much quietness with the two dogs, uh, the two white puppies that are driving me crazy. And, uh, and part of that, you know, being driven crazy is the fact that I'm still sitting here, you know, three weeks later uh, when I was ready to go, you know, quite some time ago. And sort of what prompted my angst around that is this whole concept of, uh, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, the famous statement, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. And part of that, too, is... Uh, from listening to other people who are hardcore wired for danger who are so committed to being right and the rage and the fury and the fight around why their beliefs and their thoughts and their way is right and their right thing that should be done and all the other stuff that gets mixed up in between and the way my little brain works is you know, I, I look at it and then I sort it out, sort it out, sort it out. And then I move to the bottom line. And the reason I do that is because it's always very simple in concept and it is eternally complicated uh, in its application of our, and in our world, uh, in our own personal life, at our cultural level, at our world level, uh, and at our universal level. It's just so incredibly complex. We feel like there's all these different things that need to get solved, and then everything will be okay. And that isn't really the way I've come to understand things. And this is where I get uh, screwed up, because as I'm listening to everybody who thinks they're right, the opinions, wired for danger or not, like, I'm right because this is what I think, or I'm right because this is what I feel, or I'm right because these are the facts, or I'm right because I just listened to a guy who did an excellent presentation on uh, de the determination of what's happening right now, which is his uh, theoretical model, which uh, there's a lot of truth to, is that uh, wokeism is Marxism redesigned to bring down Western civilization with the China model as the goal. Now, not everybody agrees with that. Not everybody's interested in that. Uh, at one level, it doesn't feel applicable to us in our day in and day out life. And on the other hand, uh, what's going on in all these different aspects of our lives is exactly that. And, you know, as I'm listening to it, 
the source of Marx. Uh, I don't know a lot about Marx. I don't know a lot about Marxism. I don't put my energy into those kinds of things because I don't agree with them. But at some point, not too long ago, I decided to look up who was Karl Marx. Why does he have such a powerful influence uh, so many years, you know, between the, the 1800s, the middle 1800s, when he was writing? And all I needed to see was this was an angry, lonely, frustrated man. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he had seven children. I think four of them died. He died, you know, pretty much alone and miserable. And all his energies went into these philosophies, which uh, the guy I was just listening to called it. He was he considered himself a theologian because it was all about solving the problem. So none of these bad things would happen in his subconscious to him. If I can control everything and everything is okay, then nobody has to feel like this ever again. I mean, this is an angry, lonely, bitter, self-hating, self-loathing man who sat around in a stupor of depression and created theories that are destroying everything around us in our world. Now, there's also the biblical perspective that it's Satan that's destroying everything in our world, or there's uh, aliens that are behind all of this, destroying everything in our world, or there are uh, interdimensional, non-physical entities destroying our world. Uh, and this is why, you know, when we look at complexity, who's the bad guy? Who's the true enemy? Uh, who's right? Which version of all of this is right? And you will never get to a single solution unless you are fully committed to creating a singular belief that this is the right story, I'm right, and then you have to go out and tell everybody about it, or you have to fight to the death, or you have to create war, or you become evangelical, or you have to convert, because it's very important to be right. Or is it? I don't know. But this is the, you know, boiling it down, it is this deep need to be right that is also in conflict or in coordination with doing the right thing. And how do we know? And what does it matter? Uh, so we're going to boil it down even more. And because at its very, 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 very simplest core, it's basically just two things, what I want and what I don't want. And people who are more negatively wired spend a lot of time raging against what we don't want. This is my category. Uh, people who are blessed with being more positively wired move much more easily into focusing on what they do want. And there's no right or wrong about that. I believe, you know, we're all here having experiences that we need to move forward. But it really is that simple. And if you boil it all the way down to the very, very simple place. And the battleground is responsibility, power, control, and accountability. Who should be in control of who and what? What are we responsible for? Who wants power and who doesn't want power? 
And how do we keep all these things in check with accountability? And why so many of us who are fighters don't want to do the accountability piece. We're happy to be responsible, but we don't want to hold our community or our external circumstances accountable. This is just the soup with which we all emerge from with a thousand different labels on top of it and throughout time and inversion over version over version. And I think what's so unique about this moment in time is that we are closing out a cycle, uh, this catastrophism or cataclysm cycle. And uh, I believe that a lot of the pressure of this cycle ending, you know, the magnetism issues and the, uh, we don't really understand, uh, you know, there's a idea that light uh, communicates data and that you know, we're getting all this data transmitted to us. Uh, we're having all these kind of internal changes with our uh, own systems in the world, chemically, electronically. It's just a time of horrific confusion and intensity. Uh, and there's a real struggle to stay sane within all of it. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that when we're frustrated, we don't know what to do and try to stay sane is to get to the truth, right? What is the truth of all of this? And then that becomes a belief. And then you hold on to it with all your might so you can be right, so you can stay sane, even if it isn't maybe what the truth is. And, you know, when you boil all that down, you know, at the end of all this, if you're in a war, the real war is with uh, God and or truth, which are basically, you know, depending on how you where you like to go with all that, are the same things, right? There's what we think is true. There's the uncovering of facts and ideas and beliefs. But at the end of all of this, there is a truth that is defining all this. Uh, I personally don't think the human brain can contain all knowledge of the universe and beyond and be as uh, fully aware as uh non-physical mind or God or spirit or whatever. And so, you know, we're struggling with pieces of the party, but we can't see everything past, present, future in its entirety. And so that becomes stressful and it becomes, I don't want to feel this way. And so how can I create a idea or a belief that I believe is right and I can stay comfortable here? And so we battle and we maneuver and we contrive or we check out or we run away or we rage against or we try and kill, right, that which we don't want to give us what we do want, which is some sense of security. Because uh, when I say wired for danger, I do mean, you know, you lurch into the danger uh, when it's intense, but on any given day, none of us can live there 24-7, 365. It's too much. You cannot have your sympathetic nervous system in overdrive 24-7, 365, because it will kill you. You have to have balance. You have to have give and take uh, with the nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And that's what happens is when you don't have balance at a very simple level, that's when you create a lot of internal problems. The stresses burn your body out. They make you crazy. Uh, and on and on we go down these cycles because at the end of the day, the real battle is what I want versus what I don't want 
and how uncomfortable we are with what we don't want. And you have to think about what's happening right now. So uh, let's just bring that all that big complexity down to something super simple and super practical. So here I am three weeks later sitting on my rump waiting to leave because I can't live here, right? I ha- what, I, what I want is a place to live that I don't have to get up and move from constantly. What I don't want is to just sit here. What I don't want is to be in this tremendous level of uncertainty and stress trying to find some place uh, without knowing the best place to go, without the, the ease of getting there, you know, because my truck can't pull my trailer anymore. Uh, I don't have a place that I know I want to live. I don't have people I know I can go live with. Uh, you know, I have all these issues, right? But I still have to do it because I can't stay here and I don't want to, right? So I'm pushing out into the world. Well, in the meantime, I'm trying to do the right thing, right? So the do the right thing is, you know, for those of you who have been around a while, uh, I got this dog, Haven, uh, a year ago in June. I got her June 1st a year ago. And I didn't want another dog. But I was in a situation where three rescue dogs came and uh, I wanted to do the right thing, right? So, okay, I can take one dog. Uh, but she had a brother and uh, somebody else took her brother and it turned out that he started abusing him. And now there's a second dog. Well, it's like family. You know, if you have a family member and they're, they die and they have a child, do you farm that kid out to be adopted by a stranger or do you do the right thing? Do you bring that child into your home, even though it's not what you really want, but it's the right thing to do? And those of us who are motivated to do the right thing, oftentimes, you know, commit to things that we really don't want. And that creates its own cycle of stress. And so, uh, what's happened is, you know, he hadn't been neutered. And so, uh, they have a free clinic up here and I had done her last year and everything went fine and perfect. And I'm so angry at myself because I had said to myself last summer, just go get him and get them done at the same time. Because part of me in my mind hoped that somehow they would be reunited. Ha, be careful what you wish for. And so I didn't do it. So now I'm, you know, he, the two previous clinics were canceled because of the weather. And so I took him, uh, a week ago and I think they mangled him cause they're not, it wasn't healing. Uh, so what should have been a very simple surgery did not turn out to be a simple surgery. And so we've been, uh, sitting around staring at his balls for a week, you know, trying to see what's going on. Uh, I think they're finally healing properly with antibiotics, but this is not what I want. And I'm raging against what I don't want in all my conflict about doing the right thing. And the reason I share that is to not talk about his balls because that has been the focus for the last three weeks. (laughs) So uh, with people telling me all these terrible stories about how, you know, all their animals just get cut. There's no anesthesia. There's no stitching. It's just been a very long conversation of uncomfortable topics, especially if you're a boy. I can feel you clenching as we speak. And it's, uh, so it looks like it's resolving. So, you know, I'm getting ready to jump and hit the road, right? But 
there's all this other stuff going on. So when we talk about, you know, I, do I want to be right? Do I want to do the right thing? Uh, pushing pressure, right? Fighting is the push. Push is the pressure. There's all this pressure out in the world. Uh, I don't know how much everybody pays attention, but you probably haven't missed the part where the banks are starting to collapse. Uh, the, the Fed is planning on raising interest rates in the face of all this. Uh, Janet Yellen has come out and said, June 1st, there's no way to pay anything federal, meaning no Medicare, no nothing. And uh, I mean, Social Security, like nobody gets paid as of June 1st. And the bill, you know, is sitting on Biden's desk and the Senate won't pass it and he won't pass it. Now, my experience is they wait to the last day, but who knows, right? Because they want to put us on this digital currency, CB, uh, CD or CBCDs or whatever, where they wipe out all the dollars. Uh, in the meantime, you know, Russia has just put two, There's as I am recording this, there's two nukes flying around in the air uh, from Russia over Ukraine. And that's just sort of the little tiny bits to all of this. I mean, there's so many more things going on. May 11th, uh, Title 42 stops and the border unleashes. And, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, Michael Yon, who was, you know, so angry about why we're not fighting to close the border and just went off on this huge jag about that, about, uh, you know, why women and all this other stuff. I mean, just all this rage and anger about uh, what he believes is right and his way is right and his ideas are right. And I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just saying that as we the pressure increases, oftentimes our need to hold on to what is true and what is right as a way to justify or make peace with what we believe is doing the right thing, which may or may not be because only history will tell us if we look at life in a linear way versus more of what I'm trying to do with you here is to understand the simplicity of the the ideas themselves and how we process them is really our own personal journey because it all boils down to responsibility, power, control, and accountability. Uh, who is responsible for closing the border? Who is responsible for the money situation? Uh, you know, my delving into survival, who is responsible for feeding me, for sheltering me, you know, for water? Who's responsible for growing food? I mean, these are all the things that are the complexities of the world. Uh, and you move into a guy like Marx, who's sitting around having a terrible life, deciding that if everybody was treated equally with the few people, you know, pointing to himself being in charge, then nobody would ever feel this way and everything would be okay. But all of that stems from, I don't want this and how we respond to, I don't want this. Do we respond with hate and anger? Do we respond with excitement about problem solving? Uh, do we respond with joy? Do we respond with resentment? Do we respond to what we don't want with just checking out? Do we respond with what I don't want through addiction this is the complexity that, that comes around very simple concepts or ideas that are fueling everything because we're all here to have different experiences. And part of that, you know, I was uh, listening to and watching things that I was 
cueing off of, you know, thinking, oh, I want to talk about this as a wired for danger thing. And uh, I watched this uh, limited series on Netflix the last week, and it was about was based on a true story. I think his name was Varian Fry, and he was in Marseille, France. He was an English uh, American, uh, and they were getting people out. So it was Germans, it was Jews, it was artists. Uh, he had a very specific list of people who were uh, intellectual artists or uh, quote unquote important, and uh, you know trying to negotiate how to get them out. I think it was in 1941. So it was uh, the the Germans had taken Paris, but they hadn't, you know, gone that far south yet. And it was fascinating to watch, you know, people who didn't need to risk their lives do all this work, you know, getting visas, uh, you know, selling things, using their own money, just working overtime, and then watching this other group of people who were supposed to needing to be rescued, not taking any responsibility, just sitting around, hanging out, philosophizing, or refusing to leave, or being difficult, or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, even though it was their survival, and all these other people trying to rescue them, you know, and it was just, to me, it was fascinating at so many levels because there's a really good chance that we are getting to ready to move into refugee status. You know, the borders are wide open. You know, that's one of the things that Michael Yana does is he goes down to uh, Panama and the Darien Gap. Uh, you know, he shot video. Uh, Biden said, we're closing it. It isn't being closed. It's being uh, increased. And, uh, you know, Majorca flies down there once a year to coordinate it. And then he sits in front of Congress and Congress yells at him and he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And then nothing changes. So it's just a whole bunch of people yelling and pretending and denying and then business as usual behind the scenes. And then you have a bunch of people who are trying to fight it or bring attention to it. You know, the investigative journalist is often a wired for danger person, uh, someone who's trying to bring the truth because we believe the truth is going to set us free. And I am saying it doesn't. I mean, how much truth has been revealed these last few years? Holy cow. Right now, they're talking about in the Congress and Senate, you know, on the floor, what's going on with the trafficking of children and slaves and at, at the border. And it's so horrific. One little girl, I think she was eight or ten, 86 different DNA samples in her from all the different people that had raped her. And they yell about it and they flat, you know, whip, they verbally whip everybody. Nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes. And the people who are the wire for danger people are getting more and more pissed. They're the people that start the problems. They start the revolutions uh, and everybody else gets swept away in that because if the wire for danger people don't understand what's really going on, if they're manipulated, if they are pushed past points of no return, then that's when violence breaks out. And violence at the end of the day isn't going to solve any problems. War never brings in peace. But, and this is the core question that I have, who are we as wire for danger people? just filled with the desire to be violent against what we don't want, 
uh, I can intellectually and emotionally understand that that doesn't give me the solution I seek. But at what point do you step up and step into all of this? At what point do we stop just watching all these things happen to us? Uh, And I keep hearing people say like, well, when the war starts or when this happens, then the American people will step up. And that is how ignorant we are. Like it is way too late. There are so many Chinese people coming through the borders. There is staging of weapons. There is so much happening. We are so far past the point of no return. And you still have everybody going, well, you know, when it gets bad, then I'll step up. It's too late. It's too late. This is all happening, Uh, which was what was interesting to me about, you know, this refugee and how they were smuggling people out. And I'm looking like, oh, that's a really good idea is they were, you know, had their clothing and where they were hiding their their valuables and their clothing and uh, who took risks and who dragged their feet and asking that question When we get to this point in time where we have to make some bad decisions or good decisions, most people wait too long. Most people do not look at the signs and get out in time. Uh, Wire for danger people tend to stay behind and get stuck in the thick of it and choose to fight there. Uh, But there's a moment where you can't get out anymore. And what's different about this world right now is where would you even go? I mean, a few people could go to some obscure places, but that was the point of this uh, Marxist lecture that I was listening to is that it's the entire Western civilization that's being torn apart. And Even that purview or that point of view is too small because we're also facing a point of global catastrophe, global cataclysm. And that is just too much for most people. We're really not at a point in our collective psyche where we can look at that, but there's so much physical evidence uh, and we're starting to see the changes. We're starting to see the volcanoes the extreme weather, the size of the hail. I know I was thinking, oh, I should just sell the stupid horse trailer because it's such a pain in my butt, right? But the whole reason I got it was for this moment in time, you know, as the hail is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, the steel trailer is going to be able to withstand hail, whereas just a little aluminum trailer, it's going to go right through the ceiling. There's no way to keep uh, what I, I was interested in what the worst case was and the biggest hail that's ever been recorded is 11 inch diameter and most hail comes down at 100 miles an hour. So I'm not an engineer, but I'm pretty sure 100 miles an hour and an 11 inch, I don't know how many pounds that is. That's going through almost everything and it will kill you if it hits you in the head. So all of these things All of these things, you know, the impending food issues and the talks about famine and, uh, you know, that's something else Michael Yon is an expert at is what creates famine. And in one of the, the interviews was it's not always lack of food. It's the inability to buy food. Well, you know, they take our money away. They put us on a digital system. They tell us we're not allowed to buy food because we have a belief system that they don't agree with, even when we believe we're right. Do we give that up? And so these are 
all the amazingly complex things that are all tied up to a whole bunch of people who are sitting someplace saying, I don't want this and I want that. And how we go about resolving what we don't want to get what we think we do want, right? We can be marks sitting at our kitchen table in a drunken stupor of depression, philosophizing or theologizing to ourselves that if everybody else would change and follow these rules, then we would all be happy, right? Well, we all know that's not going to happen. Uh, we can be Buddha if you've ever uh, listened to the or read Siddhartha, right? His journey from being a rich man to a poor man to putting himself through a thousand different experiences, trying to get what he wanted, and he went through a million ex- or you know multiple multiple experiences, all in the achievement of what wouldn't work. I don't want this, so let me try that. I don't want this, so let me try that. And it ended with him sitting beside the river, content, because all he really wanted was the truth. And the truth is so simple, but we don't really want it because we don't want to look at the complexity of how we do not want responsibility, accountability, power and control, who we want to give it to, how we want to hold on to it, uh, who's responsible for what. And in the real world, most of you and all of you probably don't sit around and think about this kind of stuff because it's not relevant. It feels ridiculous. It feels so abstract. What difference could it really make? I always hear Hillary Clinton, what difference does it make? Uh, And, you know, one of the reasons I don't like to talk about this stuff is I am not 100% sure I'm right. So I am in a constant state of evaluating everybody else's ideas about being right, trying to decide if my understanding is right, correct. Do I have it handle on what the purpose or the point of truth and God actually is, or am I full of crap? Because You know, I'm not living this fabulously perfect life, but I am living the perfect life to think about all these things in the greatest level of abstraction, applying them to the simplest points of survival. And, you know, there's this, you know, enlightenment idea, right? That when you get to the end of the the journey, you're back to chop wood and carry water, but you can only chop wood and carry water when there's no war, when there's no uh, tornadoes that are wiping everything out, when there's no cataclysmic events, I mean, you still have to chop wood and carry water, which is core survival. It's where Buddha ended up, right? But not when it's been, you know, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to cut down wood without a permit. You're not allowed to store water. It's, a, you know, it's illegal, in all these different places. Now, you're not allowed to hunt or fish without permits or drawing a lucky, you know, pass once a year or once in a lifetime. So we've, we've uh, made all these things that allow us to chop wood and carry water and live very simply illegal. So again, incredibly complex, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to the very simple reality that we're all in a state of uh, what I want and what I don't want. And if we push against what we don't want 
or we run away from what we don't want, or we freeze up in the state of what we don't want. That's just our sympathetic nervous response system to, I don't want this, whether we, you know, determine it as a fear or just a stress or a dislike, uh, not everything, you know, that we trigger off our sympathetic nervous system is extreme danger. I only talk about that as the primary danger response because I do believe that's also uh, how we kind of navigate the world and it's a better way to understand ourselves and it's a better way to recover from those intense experiences. But we're at a point in time where the intensity is just constant and relentless and at the same time, really stupid, simple things like sitting around waiting for his balls to heal and shrink up, uh, you know, are dominating my choices by doing the right thing, by choosing to be responsible where other people were not, uh, that is getting in the way of what I want. You know, it's, it is always just a mix of all these things. And I don't have an answer for it. This is life. This is uh, what I believe we're here to sort out. This is what I believe we're here to do. And it doesn't mean that we get to bliss out and sit in a cave and have everything be perfect. You know, we're at a point in time where there's the potential for just massive, massive uh, internal learning at the mental, emotional, and spiritual level. But if we can't get past focusing on just the body and the world and the outcome that we think we want versus what we don't want by any means necessary, we'll never get to those internal questions and that internal journey. And I think history will show us that this repeats over and over and over. We saw that with Marx, with Mao, with Hitler, with uh, Popot, with uh, all the other, the China, uh, Venezuela, Argentina, uh, over and Haiti, over and over, South Africa, over and over and over again. None of this ever works out at this level. You cannot make people want what you want. You cannot kill people who don't want what you want and expect at the end, somehow, it's all going to be a perfect, peaceful solution. And in the meantime, all of us have to get up every single day and decide, uh, what am I responsible for? You know, do I want to do the right thing or do I not want to do the right thing? Or am I going to do the right thing and then be resentful, <clears throat> like some of us are, about doing the right thing? And what happens when we're resentful and it's just, you know, this big soupy mix of the human experience and it's not simple in terms of getting through it. So at the abstract level, it's absolutely simple at the complex level of body and world and culture and society uh, and being mixed up with everybody else, there's nothing simple about it at all. And that's why it's not easy. It can be simple and abstract, but it's not easy in its application. And who knows at the end of the day what is right? Because how much hubris does it take to think that my simple little human mind could in 
any way understand all that is, you know, past, present, and future in all places, over all time, and in all ways, right? I mean, just how insane is it? Any one person thinks they can be right about everything, but it is those people who determine that they are right and are fighters or controllers or evil instigators that create a lot of problems for the rest of us who don't spend enough time thinking about these things and doing enough to stay accountable so that they don't get out of control. Uh, You know, one of the things that makes sense to me is that if I had designed the universe, right, if you were doing it, it makes a lot of sense to create cycles that end so that you can start over. You can reset the cycle uh, because humanity keeps getting to the same place. I think that we're in our sixth human extinction event at this point, which means, you know, we keep not doing it right. So let's reset and try again. Let's reset and try again. And uh, and that, at a practical level, makes a lot of sense to me. You know, at a, a personal, emotional level, not a big fan of what's going on right now because it's so overwhelming and consuming and scary and, and difficult uh, about what to do because it's, you can't see the other side of it. You know, I was watching them uh, do their escapes and their planning and you know, all the stupid decisions that the individuals make and, you know, how much uh, we don't understand about human, the human psyche and why it makes decisions and, uh, you know, how we're all just muddling through making things worse, you know, in so many different ways. But, you know, I'm watching the, one of the interesting storylines was Chagall. I think it was Mark Chagall, the painter. He wouldn't, you know, he'd lived in France for 17 years and he'd had a visa for a long time to go to America. He just wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. And so at the very, like, they threw him out of his house. The police threw him out of his house and took his papers, his identity papers. Uh, so he couldn't use his visa and he had all his heart artwork back at the house and he refused to leave without his artwork. Uh, and so this guy, Varian Fry, I think this part was real keeps solving his problems. He goes back to the house at risk to collect the artwork. He, he uh, steals a embassy vehicle and he drives them across the borders. You know, he, at the risk of, you know, being arrested for treason and executed because this Chagall wouldn't do the right thing. He wouldn't be responsible for himself. He never left when it would have been easy to leave, when the ports were open and he had a visa and he had identity papers and he could have packed himself up and him and his wife could have left. Instead, you know, he causes all these problems for everybody else. Uh, And the whole time, you know, I'm watching this, they're staying at this villa and the artists and the intellectuals, they're not doing anything. You know, they weren't cooking, they weren't cleaning, they weren't helping. They were just sitting around intellectualizing. And I'm like, why are these the great people that we're trying to save when they're not doing anything? So, you know, I don't have the answers to any of these questions, but it's a fascinating process to observe. And at the end of the day, to me, it just boils down into these two things. It's understanding it 
at its most abstract level so we can process the experiences that we're happening that we're having but those are all related to these very simple ideas of of what are we responsible for who has power what is the role of control versus responsibility and what is accountability in the face of all of this i mean these are really the core questions as we wrestle with, do I want God or do I not want God? Do I want the truth or do I not want the truth? And we extend this wrestling over billions and billions of people, over uh, millions and millions and millions of years. And we arrive here at this moment, stumbling over the same blocks. So I don't have any answers or solutions to any of this. I have a lot of personal exasperation because I don't want this. It's stupid and unnecessary. And yet here we are and we do it over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, all we can do is make our own choices and decisions about what we think is right. What do we think is the right thing to do? Do we have resentment about it? Are we taking responsibility? What does that even mean? Uh, And on and on and on we go. So that is probably the most uh, overwhelming thought process I have shared so far. But who knows what the future holds? Like I said, there's nukes flying around in the air right now, and uh, the U.S. has its super itchy finger to get this thing going because everything is falling apart. So there's no moment where we know that we're going to have a tomorrow, and there's no moment that isn't creating the potential that everything is going to drastically change at any given time. And there's nothing any single one of us can do to change all of it. It's just who we are in the process because the outcome at the abstract big world level is completely out of our hands. Uh, And in many ways, the outcome for our own tiny personal life is out of our hands. But in my, from my perspective, the more I can understand this, the little bit easier it is to make peace with it the less rage I have about it because there is no singular simple solution about this is right. I'm going to do the right thing. And in my righteousness, it's all going to go away and we'll all live happily ever after. We never have, we never will. (laughs) It's just a big old messy soup for us to navigate our own relationship with responsibility, power, control, and accountability. We don't win the war with God and truth. We just have to figure out what it is within ourselves that makes us fight against the one thing that we should want versus all the things we don't want. And with that, wish me luck. Man, I am super nervous and terrified about tearing out of here uh, with no plan, no money, no place to go, no way to get my trailer there. Uh, This is probably one of the bigger, stupider moves I've done. Uh, As a a wind down here, I had the weirdest dream last night. It was a combination of all these things. I 
uh, was in the truck and the truck, we had an accident, but somehow I ended up like, you know, 500 feet in the air and uh, I'm coming down and I didn't die. I landed on a building and then I'm trying to figure out how to get down and I'm climbing down all these great big, scary building collapsing things and everybody's in this weird place and scurrying around. It's, it's kind of like a end of the world feeling. And then they're, you know, they're brewing beer and the guy looks at me and says, well, we're brewing it for them. And he points up and the sky is this beautiful blue and it's full of these blue colored, not black, but blue colored auroras, you know, that we're experiencing right now. And them was this thing flying overhead and it didn't look like a spaceship. It was clear and blue, but with white external around it and white dots. And the beer was for them and them was the aliens, you know, looking like the Milky Way, only blue, uh, passing very quickly like a cloud stream overhead. And I think that's when I woke up. (laughs) It was very strange dream. There were other parts, but it was a very very strange dream. So who knows what the world holds. With that, we're going to take a deep breath, my friends. Wish me luck, and hopefully I will see you next time.